The way they help them have less sales work is basically look at their business and go, you can stop doing this, 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 and this, and uncomplicating their approach to revenue. So leadership is about like, let's just make sure we have clear goals and not things like the three-year, five-year goals, but what do we actually want to accomplish in the next three months, six months, and make sure they're really tangible. Hi, I'm Lucas James. And I'm Jordan Ross. And I'm AJ Casada, And we're the co-hosts of How to Scale an Agency. After scaling our own agencies to over $185,000 per month in sales and working with agencies doing hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue like Hawk Media and Neil Patel, we've made this show to interview the top digital marketing agency owners and highlight the fastest ways to scale your agency. If you'd like to join the best digital marketing agency community on the planet and let us help you scale, go to twiz.io to sign up today. Welcome to another episode of How to Scale an Agency. I'm your host, AJ Casada, co-founder of Revenue Boost. And really, really excited for today's episode because today we have a good friend of mine, Christopher Filippiak, to talk about some of his best secrets in his five-step framework where you guys are going to learn all about revenue generation, sales, and so much more. So really, really excited. Christopher, welcome to the show. Awesome. It's so good to be here, AJ. I know we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago and we were like, this should be a podcast. And then yeah. so you're like, well, actually come on my show. I'm really excited to be here and provide some value to your listeners and everyone watching today. Yeah, definitely, man. No, I really enjoyed the last conversation. I knew a lot of what you were sharing around your uh, five steps to sales readiness is something that like our audience has to hear. I'm really, really excited to see kind of where conversation goes and what we dive into today. But before we get into more of the specifics of how the audience can generate more revenue and more of your five step framework, I think it's cool to know a little bit more about your story and like how you even got into sales consulting in the first place. So yeah, tell us, how did you get into what you're doing now? Yeah, so I started my company in 2017 and really coming off of two careers. One was as an engineer, industrial and operations engineer at Ford Motor Company, building F-150s and Mustangs, which was dope. And what I learned during that was I worked a lot on integrating people and machine systems and really improving processes and taking waste out of systems, which has really informed a lot of the work that I do in my consulting work. And I had always wanted to do something like customer facing. Like I always told my engineering managers that I was like, Hey, I want to do something customer facing. And they always gave me strange looks and was like, what does that mean? You know, that's sales and marketing work, not engineering work. And I was like, I don't know, but I want to do something with the people. Like I love people and money. Right. And I care about helping people. And so that really led me to going back to school and transitioning to a B2B sales role with a $40 million agency out of Charlotte, North Carolina, and being one of their top salespeople and managing projects like hundreds of all sorts of digital project, database projects, advertising campaigns, marketing campaigns. And that was like six, seven figure deals into Fortune 500 companies. And that's where I really started to learn sales and use that experience to start my consulting firm, like I said, in 2017. And when I got started, AJ, I just went around to all of the founders and CEOs that I know here in Western North Carolina and in Asheville and said, Hey, can I sell for you on a fractional basis? I called it business development as a service. And they're like, sure. So they paid me a small retainer plus commission on all the deals that I did. And it got to the point where I was selling for five agencies and consulting firms simultaneously using my own systems and outperforming their internal sales teams, which isn't all that hard. We can talk about that more if you want. But during that time, kind of the first 
12 to 24 months in my business, I also received a lot of offers to sell commission only. And I started to recognize what would be a company that I'd be willing to sell for commission only and what would be a company that I wouldn't just based on kind of their level of maturity around sales readiness. And that was the genesis of the idea of a sales ready organization. I was like, look, to be successful in sales or growing any type of company or business, you need to have like this, this, this in place. And I've refined that over the last six years. The challenge with that though, was I started to realize while I was helping put extra money in these founders and these CEOs pockets, I wasn't really helping them develop a competency around sales as an organization. They were just kind of like outsourcing their sales and their marketing and their revenue generation to me, which was great in the short term, but ultimately wasn't scalable for me or for them. Hmm. And so that's when I really shifted into helping them build out their sales systems and supporting them to do their own sales work and really hiring or helping onboard sales teams, which I didn't have a lot of success at. Like I'm not the best person to like build out a really big sales team. I have some capability and I've done it a little bit, but I don't always think that it's the best strategy for for every company. And it takes... There's some things you have to put in place first before you can actually start onboarding salespeople. And so I really went back to supporting you know, founder sellers or executive sellers doing their own sales work. And I did a big market research study kind of like in the middle of the pandemic where I talked to dozens of agency and consulting firm owners just about their time, their relationship to sales and salespeople. And they reaffirmed like what was required for these businesses to scale revenue or add revenue and also take less or take sales waste out of the system. That work combined for some bench work for a larger consulting firm led me doing deep dive sales operation assessment and scaling roadmaps for 60 plus agencies and consulting firms really led me to the business that I have today, which is really supporting founder sellers to be sales ready and knowing that's the best strategy. And also knowing that no matter what size your firm, if you're a services-based or an expert-based business, the founder, the CEO is very likely to be involved in demand gen or high-level visibility building or some level of sales activity constantly. And that goes back to the work that I did for the agency in Charlotte. Like The founder, the owner of that company still was involved in sales and would get deals done or help move deals through even at a very large multi-seven-figure, multi-eight-figure agency. So that's kind of how I got my start and where I'm at today. Yeah, that's an awesome journey. So you started out in engineering, which is yeah, basically the total opposite of sales, right? I can see why maybe your coworkers might have looked at you like you're crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and your first sales job, you said you were selling it to like Fortune 500 companies, right? So really like more complex B2B sales. Yeah. So then when you first started your business now, your consulting practice, it sounds like it was more of like a done-for-you sales type of thing. Like you were prospecting and closing for these people, for these companies. But then eventually, of course, that wasn't sustainable as just one person. And I can see what you mean, like how that might have helped them make money. But it's like you mentioned, it's more of a short-term solution, right? Like, yes, you're growing their business. But in the long term, they still kind of need you, right? And now it sounds like you're more focused on transferring your own processes, skills, and methodologies into their business and helping them be more self-sustainable. And like you said, sales-ready. Yeah, absolutely. You hit the nail on the head with all of that. Awesome, man. Well, now that we're at the present, love to dive into more like what that means. Right? You work with founder sellers. How do you bring someone into being 
sales ready. I remember you said you had like a five-step framework you wanted to share with the audience. Yeah. So throughout my whole journey from doing done free sales or business development as a service to building out sales systems and teams to coaching around mindset and working on my own mindset and then the research study and all the bench work and all the experience that I've had, like helping people add revenue and even my engineering background, kind of all that has coalesced into this idea of being sales ready or building a sales ready organization. And all that means is really that the right pieces are in place to allow your business to add the revenue that it wants to when it wants to. And specifically when it comes to founder sellers, which I think are for so many businesses, for small and mid-sized expert-based businesses, agencies, consulting firms is really the best strategy for creating revenue and margin throughout the income statement is this idea of being a sales-ready organization. So there's five aspects of a sales-ready organization. They're basically mindset, leadership, marketing, sales, and then project management. Most people understand that sales and marketing are in the mix when it comes to driving revenue. Yeah. Sometimes leadership's in there, but people miss like on mindset and they miss on project management all the time. There's like 35 aspects of being sales ready. And so it's just going, hey, for different levels, you need different levels of maturity and sophistication in these certain aspects, whether that's your sales technology staff, like your CRM and all of your sales enablement tools, or it's your sales conversations, or even if it's something as simple as your offer and defining who your market is. Because if you don't know who your market is and what your offer is, like your market, the problem solution, and then the result that you're creating for them, even the best salespeople in the world are going to have a ton of friction around that. And we can talk more about those aspects and what's critical within each of those. I think that would be worth our time and beneficial to the people watching today. But when you're a founder seller, I think to be a successful founder seller, you need to be sales ready. So you have to have the right enablement aspects, systems in place in those areas, mindset, leadership, marketing, sales, and project management. You can think of that as like the race car. Like you need to build the sales race car, the system, right? And sales is just a system of systems. So one of the things that I saw in terms of people's sales systems is after looking at like literally AJ, hundreds of agencies and consulting firms is like people build all this stuff and then they don't use it, right? Mm -hmm. So they'll build case studies, they'll build out websites, they'll build out funnels, they'll build out email campaigns, they'll work on brand messaging. And then none of it is actually attached to a workflow around making sales. So like the huge part of being sales ready is just understanding what those pieces are that are required to actually create a sales conversation and have a sales conversation and make a sale and help someone. The sales isn't super complicated. It's just, can you create an actual sales conversation? Do you know how to have a real sales conversation and help that person like get clear on whether they're a yes or no and transition them into working with you so you can solve their problem? That's a big piece. And the other two, I talk about the sales ready organization as the race car, but that race car needs a driver. And that driver is the founder or the salesperson. But, you know, in like I said, the founder is probably the best person to drive that race car. They have the most knowledge, they have the most status. And the founder needs coaching. Like you need mindset coaching. Everyone has stories around money, everyone has stories about strangers 
that stuff shows up. It can create double binding messages and ruin your whole sales effort. And then the other critical piece is just founders need daily selling support. They just need someone in there every day. I think of it as a pit crew. You know, they need someone to change the tires and put gas in the tank every lap because you don't want to get out of the race car. And so that's kind of the analogy that I've been using. So I'll pause there and <laughs> let's I, I know that was a lot. So does that help? Yeah, no, that's a lot of good stuff. I would say, I think it's interesting. I did feel like the analogy of the race car and how the founder needs to be the driver. And I think it's really interesting that you worked for, you said it was like a $40 million company, but still the founder was involved in the key deals and moving sales forward. And I know a buddy of mine that he shared with me the same mistake he made in his own business that he built his business to like $2 million a year in revenue as an agency. And then he built a sales team. So he became fully removed from sales. But he noticed that like when he was fully removed, things were really flatlined. He had to still at least be there to do some deals or to motivate the team and still be present. So that was a big shift for him that kind of like stalled his growth and he was able to solve. So and I've experienced the same thing. Always have to look at yourself as you're in sales, no matter what's happening with your team, right? Or how big you are. But I think like you said, it would be great to walk through the, those five components and maybe some of the common mistakes that you see or the critical points with each. So maybe we could start with the mindset. Yeah. So there's a lot of buzz and there's a lot of coaches out there. And you know everyone knows mindset's important, but it's not like this woo-woo, crazy there is a spiritual component to it. Absolutely. But it's like literally just learning how to think successfully or how to operate your brain and your body. So you can get yourself to do the things required based on cause and effect to create revenue in your business. And so the most important things about mindset are really clarity on what you want, which we're not taught. Like it's not okay to want what you want as a child. Like I was taught as a grown up in Detroit in the middle class, like having a middle class mindset, I had lessons based on needs versus want and like going, Hey, you can only like, we're only going to get you what you need. And I'd be like, I want a fire truck. I want a puppy. I want this. I want this as a little child and being told, no, it's not okay. It's not appropriate. And like people being taught with some original programming that to want is not okay. So I work with my clients a lot, AJ, just on helping create clarity around what they really want and desire for their life. And so that's kind of the first part. And that will evolve over time. And it's also something you learn to do. It's something you have to practice. You have to practice and be coached into knowing how to want and desire and healing the part of you that thinks it's wrong to want what you want, or there's something bad or evil, whatever that means, around having desires. Those desires are literally spirit downloading to you how to create more life and to step more into your authentic self-expression. So that's the first part. And then once you're clear on what you want, then it's about starting to put in place the causes that will be the effect of what you want. So what you want is an effect of causes. So like if you want to grow revenue, one of the cause of revenue coming into your business is sales and helping people. If we want to grow revenue, then we have to understand that the cause of that is consistently doing sales activity, consistently getting in touch with the right people, the market, and having an offer that actually helps them solve a problem. And the other cause, so you can call that like action. So causes have an action. They have a daily motion to them. The other cause is really just what you're thinking about and how you're feeling in your body. You can change how you're feeling in like an instant. You could think of your favorite restaurant right now and you could literally get yourself to start salivating or feeling better literally by just thinking some stuff in your head. Love is the same way or self-worth or freedom or feeling good enough. 
These are all things you can cultivate internally. And the reason to do that is because when you're in fear, worry, or doubt, it's kind of like having blinders or a smaller aperture on the lens through which you can see the world based on those beliefs or that programming, you will act through that lens. Whereas if you can get yourself thinking more expansively based on some, we'll say, universal truths, then you'll take action in a different way. You'll show up differently to your sales conversations and you'll make more sales from that perspective. That happens whether it's creating conversations or like even handling objections. Like if you know the truth that we all have the same amount of money or you're in sales and you're resourceful enough to know that you're able to create the money that you can and you've built up enough self-trust to follow through on what you say you're going to do. When someone gives you the objection, hey, like I can't afford that or I can't pay for that right now, you know that's just a story because you understand and have proven to yourself over time that money is just a resource that we can create and flow in and out all the time. So I'd say with mindset, it's about clarity on what you want, understanding the causes of the effect as what you want, and then how to operate your body in terms of your thoughts, feelings, and actions and getting that all to line up. And when you do that, you'll change your life. Hmm. Yeah, I know. That's a lot of good stuff in there, especially like the example, because I've noticed as well that like a lot of times the objections that our prospects give us are the ones that we can't handle. It's because we're still dealing with that story ourselves. Yes. It's the mirror. It's the law of psychological reciprocity. It's the mirror. Like what we see in our world is a result of what's happening inside of ourselves. Yeah, it's very interesting. I find a lot of sales, it's really like a self-discovery journey. You learn a lot about yourself in the process. Absolutely. So what would you say when you were talking about how people have those blinders on if they're thinking fear, doubt, and worry, what advice would you give to someone that they're in a state of fear, doubt, and worry because maybe their business is just off the ground, they're kind of still scraping by and they're struggling. And they might know that like, okay, I shouldn't think like this, but they get almost like trapped there, right? Because that is their reality. They do need that next client. Do you have any, any thoughts around people in that situation? I mean, I'm pro having a coach in your corner, right? Yeah, so like yeah, having right. someone who can support and challenge you to step out of those stories. And the way that I do it with my clients is helping them touch back into what it is that they actually want. So like if you're in fear, worry, and doubt, what I always want is I want love or I want peace or freedom. And I try to hook people back into what is it that you want? tangibly, it's like, I want to make a sale. I'm worried because right now it seems like there's no money in my bank account or I can't make payroll or whatever. And it's like, you can either focus on that or you can shift your thinking over to what you actually want and then start taking actions from that place. I think that's one way to do it. That fear, worry, and doubt is in your body. It gets locked up in your nervous system. Like that shit's real, right? Like it's in there. Like you can have your actions. And I think it's about learning some tools to move that energy or that emotion so you can get refocused on what it is that you want and start taking actions in the direction. And those actions are making decisions and then doing the things that will lead to that result. So does that help? Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, I agree though. It can be really difficult to work through that mindset stuff without a coach in your corner, for sure. Yeah, because there's blind spots and those patterns that change this is why change management is a real thing, but that change as awesome as having more money come into your business will be, that's a change and it's going to change your life. And so part of your subconscious programming is for safety and any change or growth doesn't feel safe to a part of yourself. So it's going to resist with stories with fear, worry, and doubt, which is the resistance. 
stepping into taking those actions because it wants to keep you right where you are because it's known and being known is safe. Hmm. Absolutely. No, that makes me think of fear of success, right? Which I learned and kind of experienced a few years ago. It's a weird concept, but it's true. The way you explain it is perfect. We don't really like change. Our subconscious wants to keep us safe and stable. And with success comes a lot of things that a lot of times can't be reversed, especially if you build a team. Even though it's a good thing to grow your business, it's almost like there's that fear around that because that's a permanent thing to a degree. Yeah, or there's a lot of examples like that I found, but fear of success is an yeah, interesting one for sure. Fear of success is real. That's going to happen at every level. A sale is a success. It's a change because you're going to have a new client. You're going to have new money come in. And at some level, part of you doesn't want that client. And I know yeah. that sounds like wild, but you know, it's like, oh, I got to add that client. I'm going to have more money. And what am I going to do about it? And then I got to take care of the client, right? I got to provide a service. And as awesome that is, there's a part of you that doesn't want that. Yeah. And it's tough too, because all of this is kind of in our subconscious, which manifests in a different way. Like you said, it's manifested maybe fear, worry, or doubt, but it's something much beneath the surface going on that we can't always recognize. So yeah, definitely, definitely good to have a coach work through those things. The other thing I like that you mentioned about mindset is focusing on what you want, because I personally noticed from my own business and from a lot of other clients I've worked with and coached that a lot of times like people are clear that what they want maybe in the beginning, but then it gets lost because it's so easy to build a business. And then we're years into it and we're just so focused on fixing the next thing, building the next thing, whatever the next problem is. And you just kind of get used to like doing work and just totally lose focus on what you want. So for me now, I try to at least once a year, like really take a hard look at what do I want in the big picture and see if that's changed. I think it's so crucial, right? Because otherwise you're just kind of making like decisions without really much context, right? You're just doing what you think you should do or what you see other people doing, but it's not really going to get you anywhere. So yeah, I love that you started there in your framework because I think it's... So key. People listening probably they know, oh, I need to know what I want. But like you really have to. It's not just like you decide one day and it takes a lot of time to really think and like discover that. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, it's a muscle that you build and get better at over time. Yeah. This is why working with a coach is so critical because you have blind spots in programming that is trying to create confusion and resistance around that clarity around what it is that you want. So yeah, I love yeah. that. It's very cool that you do that. And that's part of the sales slash founder journey is to like get better at doing that. Yeah. And for some reason, it's hard. You think it'd be easy. I know what I want, but there's still always a little bit of fuzziness around it. I'm still like a little fuzzy on it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally. So, so move on to leadership. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So within the sales ready organization framework, leadership has vision, mission, and culture. And I don't actually do a ton of work there with my clients. I just want to make sure that their goals are clear based on what they want. It's like, okay, this is what you want. Here's the goals that are going to help us move in that direction and then make sure there's simple. Everything you do with my clients, the way I help them have less sales work is basically look at their business and go, you can stop doing this, 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 and this and uncomplicating their approach to revenue. So leadership is about like, let's just make sure we have clear goals and not things like the three-year, five-year goals, but what do we actually want to accomplish in the next three months, six months and make sure they're really tangible. Like I want to hire a VA. I want to hire a coach. I want to buy a new car. I want to eat better food, like really tangible goals for the business from a place of creating more life or helping more people. Not from like, oh, I want to have a $5 million agency with $3 million EBITDA so I can exit it in two years. Those are great goals, but some of those come from a place of safety or not wanting to work. So I work really hard with my clients to get clear on what are you going to actually spend the money on and what are the goals that are required to get us there? And then just some really simple reporting. Like what are the things that you're going to do every day to create and have sales conversations and how many sales are actually 
required. So that's leadership. Clear goals, simple reporting. Awesome. So even if someone doesn't have a team, you would still look at it like leadership. Because I think a lot of times people hear that term leadership and they think like managing people. But to me, it sounds like, you know, you look at leadership as just same way I look at it, like just leading yourself or leading the business. Yep, that's it. I don't do a lot of operational stuff. And since I mainly work one-on-one with founders, it's not a large team. Like I don't do any of the delivery or leadership from that. I'm strictly looking at leadership from a sales perspective going, these are the things that are required to be in place to help the company make revenue. So yeah. Yeah. So clear goals and thinking about the next three, six, 12 months, not three, five-year plans, tangible and having simple reporting. So you know where you're at. Yeah. I love it. So cool. Well, let's get into the third piece, marketing. Marketing. So I think of marketing in terms of creating conversations. So marketing, there's several aspects to think about in marketing, your digital presence, your marketing tech stack, your marketing strategy and workflows, content calendars, all those things. But I think of marketing really on being clear about what your offer is. And your offer is basically, who are your people? What's their problem? What's your solution? And then what's the result that you create? Sales has to have that stuff in place. You have to know those things cold. So I would really say and that's why early sales teams fails because like the founder can overcome like not having a crystal clear offer. But as a salesperson, it's super difficult to actually overcome that if that stuff's not clear. And I would say the other piece about marketing is just having a handful of, I call them marketing plays, AJ, but things you do every day or weekly or monthly that you're committed to that actually convert to creating sales conversations with the market. Like if it's not leading directly to a sales conversation with potential clients, then it's not a play you should be running. We're on a marketing play for your business right now called podcast interview. You might have other plays called website lead magnet. You might have other plays called cold calling or LinkedIn direct outreach or networking. In terms of the best play for professional services, businesses, agencies, consulting firms, it's really relationship nurturing, going back through and making sure you have a game plan for all the people in your CRM and a way to stay in front of them, plus a little bit of new. So making sure some of your activity is bringing in new people in your business, and then some type of visibility, whether that's podcast, whether that's speaking, whether that's writing, whether that's industry events, plus your digital presence. So that's what I would say for marketing, make sure you have an offer, make sure that you have a consistent set of plays that you're running on a daily basis and make sure those plays include a mix of relationship nurturing, new, you can think of that as cold outreach or direct outreach, and then visibility building for whatever you prefer to do. If you do those things, you'll create sales conversations and people will buy from you. And it doesn't have to take that long. As a founder, if you have some daily selling support, 30 minutes to an hour a day tops will do that for you. I love that you said that last part because like really, yeah, an hour a day, if everyone listening just did an hour a day of sales activities and it was structured, it was intentional, it was direct things that would actually lead to a sales conversation. Not like you said earlier, the building random white papers, random case studies, just all these different assets, but actually following a strategy, right? Like, yeah, really 30 to 60 strategic minutes a day is enough, right? It doesn't take a whole lot to move the needle. I think it's more about that consistency. Yes. Yeah. I think a lot of people, they almost get a little apprehensive of sales because they think it has to be the super time-consuming complex thing. But really, if you break it down, 
anyone listening can do 30, 60 minutes a day. Just start with that and see where it goes. Yeah, absolutely. So sales, what's the most important thing about sales? I think the most important thing about sales as a sales ready aspect is just having a really clear workflow and not creating a workflow based on what I would call fear or waste. An example of that would be a lot of agencies spend a lot of time writing proposals that no client wants to read or go through. And they do it to try to prove their value. And it's really coming from a a fear of not being good enough or being afraid or really just there's like a proving energy and creating these long 50, 60 page slide deck proposals. I've seen so many of these and it's so wasteful and it doesn't actually help people buy. It's let's define a workflow and a workflow is literally going like, hey, we have contacts or leads in, we research them, we try to set up an intro call or we just go right to a sales conversation. I don't know why people call it strategic discovery, (laughs) free consult. It's just a sales conversation. Just call it what it is. Actually know how to have a sales conversation And if you have your offer dialed in, go, hey, this is what you told me you want. This is what you told me your issues are. We can help you. Here's how we're going to help you. Do you want to buy? Done. It could literally be like, you can close five-figure, six-figure deals in a very short amount of time. I've seen HubSpot, Insightly, Salesforce, Pipedrive, CRMs with like 10, 12, 15 stages. And oh, I look, I'm like, what, what is going on here? This doesn't make any sense at all. And I'm like, lead in, decide if you want to try to set up an intro call with them, schedule an intro call if you even require that, have a sales conversation, make the offer, help people, done, right? Done. And so, and the other thing is when you set that sales workflow, any of the tools, the emails, the white papers, the Vidyard videos you want to send, the proposals, all of those are things you want to hang on that workflow. But before creating those sales tools, make sure they fit, make sure you're actually going to use them in the workflow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you absolutely need some type of agreement or contract at the stage that says make the sale on that stage, you're going to need an agreement. So you should absolutely have an agreement, but you may not need a long follow up email cadence, or you may not need multiple white papers or case studies, or, you know, maybe you do need a capabilities briefing or something like that. And you bring that in, but define your workflow, what your sales process plan workflow is going to be, and then build the tools to support that. Not the other way around. People build the stuff first, and then it doesn't fit into actually helping them make sales. Yeah, no, it's, it's great advice to just work backwards from what your process actually needs. And just, yeah, I mean, even it could be as simple as just starting out pen and paper, right? Like just list out the step for someone to become a client. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's go well, to the last piece of project management. Yeah. So project management is just making sure you have a simple way to manage the project. I just manage all my clients' projects literally like in a Google Doc. I've used project management software in the the past, Basecamp, Asana, Trello, Monday, all of those different tools. And for most small sales efforts, for founder-led sales efforts, like you don't need something that's very, very complicated and people don't end up using them. Again, you know, it's a case of going like, hey, you don't actually have to use that. But the project is really about setting up your organization as a sales-ready organization. So going like, these are the aspects or these are the folders. So let's organize our business around these aspects of being sales-ready and organize things into their right 
spots, like a well-organized garage or a closet and just going like, hey, I know where my tools are. I know where to go and get the things I need that are required and it's well-organized and it makes sense. There's no excess and there's also enough to do what's required. So that's part of the project. And then the last piece is just having an archive which is just a place to put all your old stuff that you're not using. I work with organizations that have hundreds and thousands even of stuff they've built over a decade that they're not using 90 to 95% of, and they have it cluttering up their sales area. And it's like, just yeah. Marie Kondo, that stuff, kiss it on the head, say, thank you for your service and stick it in the archive. <laughs> and that's all your old process workflows, marketing plans, sales stuff, all that old stuff. Just put all that stuff in an archive and just get organized stuff as a sales ready organization and get on to doing a little bit of consistent sales work instead of working on your stuff. So that's what I think of in terms of project. Yeah, awesome. Well, I definitely have a to-do now to go archive a bunch of old stuff because I always keep on to old documents or old assets I've created. Like I might use this one day, you know, <laughs> but it just clears yeah, everything. Right? Yeah. Just stick that in an archive because it's not like you worked on it. It created some value. It informed where you are today. It was part of your journey, but it's not serving you anymore. Awesome, man. Well, I really, really appreciate your time. This was a super insightful episode and I would encourage everyone listening to go back and watch it again because there's a lot of gold to each of those five sections and I already got a couple ideas for what we could do with revenue boost based on that. So um, yeah. yeah, man, appreciate appreciate you jumping on and where can the audience find you if they want to connect with you or work with you? Well, the first step of working with me is really taking the sales ready organization assessment. There's a simple self-assessment. So if anyone listening to the show today or listening to the replay, I'm going to offer that to the guests here, complimentary, the people watching the show. I'd be happy to have them take that and I'll score that complimentary or free for them. Awesome. The best way to do that, my website is christopherflipiak.com. So you can schedule a sales conversation directly there if you know you want to add revenue and have less sales work. Or you can find me on LinkedIn, pretty visible, pretty active there. And if you just slide into my DMs there and say, Hey, heard you on AJ's show, would love to take the sales ready organization assessment. I'll get you the link to that and get your guest here all set up to take that. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. For everyone listening to the podcast, I'll put a link to Christopher's website and his LinkedIn below so you guys can connect. And yeah, I appreciate you offering that to the audience. Yeah, man. Thanks again. This was a blast. Really enjoyed the chat. Yeah, me too, AJ. It was awesome. Thanks for having me on the show. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye.